on critical race theory, speaking very, very clearly that critical race theory has no place in the education system. What is critical race theory? That, of course, is something that we have discussed about, discussed, and we're going to need to continue to. So people understand exactly what it is they're dealing with in schools, in, in, in universities, in, in celebrity culture, in the military. Let's break it down just a touch. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833, got Tony. 833-468-8669. Critical race theory. If, if I were to just look it up and say, uh, what is the uh, definition? You would get um, the, the, the dictionary, right? Uh, in, in this case, uh, the encyclopedia people, like they're still an encyclopedia. Um, it's the view that the law and legal institutions are inherently racist and that race itself, instead of being biologically grounded and natural, is a socially constructed concept that is used by white people to further their economic and political interests at the expense of people of color. Said a, a little differently, by the way, that piece is, is written by uh, Tommy Curry, Associate Professor of Philosophy at the Texas A&M. Said a little differently, but I think still to, to great effect. Critical race theory is the idea that you can find racism in all things. That it, it puts forth to people that no matter what the situation is, you can make a determination that racism is involved somehow. And if you believe in critical race theory, well, then you believe that the basic substance of America is racist, is bigoted. Now we can say it a third way. If you are a practitioner of critical race theory, you are teaching people to be racists or you are teaching people to decide that everyone around them is racist and therefore guilty. Well, this gets into anti-racism because if racism exists and you don't want to be a racist, you have to be anti-racist. But anti-racism doesn't create a system by which the racism goes away. It codifies the racism by determining that you have no individuality, no individual diversity. Anti-racism eliminates the individual and reduces people into groups. It makes them guilty by association. So if if you believe in anti-racism, right, critical race theory will always uh, create some level of racism. And anti-racism does not state, well, here's something you can do about it. Rather, it states that it doesn't matter who you are or where you come from. It doesn't matter the good you've done or the decency you exhibit day in and day out or even the lack thereof. The person you are is rendered insignificant. And this is the only time within this great big world of diversity that the political left and the woke folk talk about where your diversity doesn't matter. In anti-racism, your individual diversity is meaningless. So critical race theory finds race and, and racism in everything. 
And anti-racism prevents you from being able to have a conversation about what's happening because you are guilty one way or another de facto. And one of the ways you know you are guilty is not necessarily by the color of your skin, although it's absolutely by the color of your skin. It, it, is, it is by the fact that you may indeed ask a question. Asking the question, examining the issue, disagreement. That's the bigotry. In the world of anti-racism, denial is guilt. Silence is also guilt, but speaking out can be a sign of guilt. And so can asking questions. And if you should disagree with anti-racist theories, that's definitive proof of guilt. It's what Robin D'Angelo wrote in The Conversation of White Fragility. That's her book. That to be white is to not be able to handle uh, the fact that you're guilty of your existence for your existence. And that if you should even question any of it, it's that you're fragile. Now, history not being something that's new, you realize that this is the Salem Witch Trials version 2.0. That is what we are dealing with. And as we have discussed, now is the time to be brave. We must be the people who stand up against this bigotry. I am paying very close attention to what's known as FAIR, fairforall.org, Foundation Against Intolerance and Racism. These are not people I uh, agree with politically, per se, although some of them I do. Rather, what they are arguing is what we are arguing, that you cannot have a society that says you are a racist because we decide so, and you're not allowed to disagree. As a matter of fact, if you do disagree, it's proof of your racism, and we go after you personally and professionally. And you see this in the world of, 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 of private schools, and you see it in the world of public schools as well, that they bring in these diversity officers, and they want to now push this, th- th- these ideas. And parents are like, whoa, 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 whoa. And then those parents are found to be racist. Oh, what's your, what's your business? Mm, we're not going to go there. We're going to tell 20 friends. We're going to try and shut you down. You cannot have a differing opinion. I say to you that any high school that has a diversity office or officer is a high school that is failing to do its task. And those people should be removed from their jobs. They're unnecessary. Now, before anybody decides to come at me, which they're going to come at me anyway. I mean, what are you going to... I'm a radio host in America who isn't on the political left. Yeah, they're coming after me. Oh, name your favorite host. Well, aside from me. And they're coming after them too. This is not a conversation about whether or not we should be discussing race in America or racism in America or anti-Semitism in America or bigotry in America. Not at all. Not at all. But there is no place to teach hate to our children, and that's what this is. Everything about critical race theory and anti-racism is the repudiation of Martin Luther King's uh, plea that we judge each other by the content of our character and not by the color of our skin. Everything about it. It does not... Look, the, the facts are right there laid out. And there's no diversity officer at a high school or a college or in in any private or public sphere 
that can change those facts. Now, if a private institution wants to have a diversity officer, I can't stop them. But public institutions should be dropped immediately and they should get no funding. Schools shouldn't get funding that push bigotry. We can all agree to that. This brings us to Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, who is making it clear that critical race theory has no place in the schools. Florida civics curriculum will incorporate foundational concepts with the best materials, and it will expressly exclude unsanctioned narratives like critical race theory and other unsubstantiated theories. Let me be clear, there's no room uh, in our classrooms for things like critical race theory. Teaching kids to hate their country and to hate each other is not worth one red cent of taxpayer money. So we will invest in actual, solid, true curriculum, and we will be a leader in the development and in, in, in implementation of a world-class civics education. Now, there is no doubt that what America needs is a civics education. (laughs) That, That goes without saying. But what's happening here is remarkably good stuff. And good on Ron DeSantis, and governors should follow suit. Critical race theory and anti racism are bigotry. Anti-racism states clearly that you fight discrimination with discrimination and you fight future discrimination with discrimination. Future discrimination, all of a sudden it's the precogs. All you just got to get them is a milk bath to float around in. They're saying that you can decide someone's going to be a bigot and therefore treat them this way. It is up to us to stand up. It is time to be brave. And when I say that, I... I'm in a weird spot because of, of what I do, right? Because of this, I speaking freely is, is part of the gig. I don't, I don't lose my job because I speak clearly and freely and directly and honestly, right? I, I would lose my job if I was this, if I was kind of nasty about it or very nasty about it, but rather we, we what did we do? We broke down the facts of what it is. We went through definitions. We explained what it means, how it's being implemented, where it's creating issues. I'll give you one of the places uh, that, where it creates issues. Critical race theory and anti-racism don't go after white kids de facto. They go after all kids, including those who are black and who are brown and who are people of color and Asian and Hispanic and however that gets described. Just in the same way, boycott, divestment, and sanction, which happen, which is anti-Semitism, doesn't go after Jewish kids on college campuses. It goes after the non-Jewish kids. The purpose of boycott, divestment, and sanction, which is about boycotting Israeli companies, divesting from investment in Israeli companies, and sanctioning uh, uh, Israel or, or Israeli groups, is to create a break between Jewish and non-Jewish students. In order to do so, they must ostracize the Jewish student and then they must indoctrinate the non-Jewish student to create Pavlovian response that when they hear Israel, they think, oh, bad. Jews, oh, bad. So it isn't about going after 
just the Jewish kids. It's about going after the Christian kids. This is exactly what's happening with critical race theory and anti-racism. It isn't just about going after the white kids. It divides all kids. It sets for children the idea that they have to hate their friend. It is the it is not the indoctrination. It is the inculcation. It is the name the word that I have not properly uh, utilized yet. It is setting the very concept of hate and teaching people to hate all things and all people around them to live in fear of them. Why in the world would we want to teach such a thing? And one of the reasons I don't live in fear is that because when I bring about this subject, all we're doing is breaking it down. And I refuse to live in a world where I'm not allowed to engage logic to move a conversation forward. But it's a lot easier, and I admit this on my side when I've got the microphone, and this is my job. When your job is owning a local bakery, when your job is being a doctor in town, when your job is, is, is your legal practice or, or, or your job is your construction company, speaking out on Facebook can get you ruined. Speaking out can hurt your kids. That's why you see people who spend $50,000 a year on private school scared of being able to share their thoughts about what's going on with their kids. And that's very real. It's no way to live. I didn't say it wasn't tough. I am saying now is the time to be brave and stand up to this hate before it actually destroys your kids and their friends and their families and your country. Because remember, this isn't about race. This is about Marxism and the destruction of Western civilization. You get people to hate each other. You get people to not have faith in each other. You get things destroyed. The things that they uh, go against, things like the, 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 the nuclear family. These connection points are there, and I'm going to do everything I can to further break these things down. Good on Ron DeSantis. Every governor in America should follow suit. And their legislatures, those state legislatures, should engage this and make sure this bigotry is not taught. I'm Tony Katz. I'm telling you we're going to have to get Phil onto the show today. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. So Phil Kirpin tweeted out. Uh, Phil Kirpin is American Commitment. We've had him on the show. He does a great job at breaking down uh, the, the numbers on what's going on with COVID, on vaccines, on, on uh, rates of, of, of infection, what's been happening with masks, with, with shutdowns. He's just excellent with the numbers. Not a doctor, but just a guy who is understanding what the data means. He's with American Commitment, a series of other groups. And what he shared was, I mean, this, this is why we should have social media, right? This could keep me on Twitter. So he shared uh, something called uh, from someone who does uh, research and, and, and strategy. And what they took a look at was Florida counties, whether or not kids wore masks when they went to school. So they took a look at the counties and their by school mask policy. So some counties mask optional. Some the counties were, you know, silent on the issue and they did it by by the county and they had their own their own rules. And then some counties had mandatory mask requirements. 
out of all three options, right? All three options go as follows. If you were a, where the mask policy varied by school, that had the highest level of infection rate. If you had uh, the mask required, that was second and very closely behind it is the school having a mask optional policy. Right now, though, that was at the very, very height. So where the mask uh, varied by school, you had the most cases, followed by um, uh, the school mask required, followed by optional. Optional has given consistently the best result in kids having the lowest amount of cases, the optional version. And right now, Over the course of the last three weeks, since February 12th, where the masks are required, has had the most number of cases. What does that tell us? I mean, it's it's an unbelievable... I I will post... I I retweeted. If you follow me on Twitter, at Tony Katz, uh, you can find it. You can also follow Kerpen, K-E-R-P-E-N. it's it just it just blow you away kind of stuff because for all the people like ah oh, masks don't work like this is what ba- what backs them up me I'm not like that right I think a mask clearly blocks something I don't think it does such a good job of blocking COVID rather it does the job of blocking the flu and some other things and a mask by definition has to block something let's not say it's totally useless there's a reason for it but maybe not for COVID. Maybe other things are at play with these schools. Maybe it's about ventilation systems of the schools. Maybe it's about times the schools start. Maybe it's a whole series of things we can't even yet put our arms around. But the people who said, hey, wear a mask if you want. It's your choice. They're doing the best. I mean, it does play into the why in the world do we have mask mandates? People can make their own choices. This is Tony Katz today. So what move did the Fed make? And what is it that we're about to see? Are things going to get more difficult for investors on the street? Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's so good to be with you. Bob Sellers will be joining us in a little bit. He is of Newsmax, works finance and hosting over there. A former CNBC guy will break down every bit of what the Fed is doing and whether or not it's going to work for Wall Street or Midwest Main Street. That's always, always uh, the question. Also, we'll get into Joe Biden's tax uh, hike. As was learned, when he said 400,000, he meant families. So now the hike could hit individuals who earn 200,000 a year if they're married to someone who makes the same amount. So, uh, producer Ari, you're about to get a huge, huge tax increase. Why is that? Ah, because your wife is loaded. <laughs> she must Just be rolling it in me. it. Right? Just whoo, whoo. Poor Ari. Poor Ari. He's not going to be able to afford any more uh, Xbox games. PlayStation. I feel. I feel for you, man. I really do. In Portland, Oregon, where they can't stop the riots because they choose not to where they can't stop the hate of police because they choose not to. The mayor, Ted Wheeler, is asking for $2 million. Now you can ask why. What's he going to do with $2 million? Well, 
he's going to fund the police. As we have seen all across the country, when you get into this idea of defunding, what you end up with is a disaster. We're going to defund the police and we're not going to, we're going to put the money into, into social services and into mental health. We don't need them at all. And then the um, murder rate goes up 2000% and everyone says, ah! exactly. Because that's what happened in Portland. As is described in the Washington Examiner, a 2000% increase in the murder rate. So Mayor Ted Wheeler is going back and saying, we need this money. And he's pointing directly to the surge in what? Gun violence. The terminology of gun violence has to go away. Because gun violence is, well, blaming it on the gun, and that's not the case at all. Those are not the facts. It's not. The facts are that there are millions of lawful gun owners who aren't causing any problems, who aren't doing anything wrong, and when you decide that it's gun violence, you're saying that they are part of the problem. They're not. Now, uh, let me tie this in a little bit to what's going on in Atlanta, because I know there are a lot of people on the political left, right, for whatever reason we've made this political, who are taking a look at the shootings or the murder of eight people and want to scream racism. I'm not saying it isn't. I am saying based on what we're being told by police, it isn't. So you had this guy whose name I won't use, who went about murdering eight people, women, and at massage parlors. As he has described it, these places were tempting him, and he wanted to get rid of them. They actually went back to take a look at this guy's high school yearbook, where he talked about how the church was calling him. That's when he was 17. These murders happened when he was 21. What happened in those four years? But this guy went and found massage parlors and just shot people, and he murdered eight people, six of whom were Asian women. And so people are screaming, well, of course, this is racism. Without question, this is racism. How could you even think it's anything else? Daniel Day Kim, the actor, said if it was a synagogue, if these were synagogues, you would know it was anti-Semitism. And the answer is yes, I would, because they were synagogues. You are now making the argument that the 21-year-old chose massage parlors because he knew Asian women worked there. Now, maybe I'm thinking ahead of myself, and maybe I got to woe up. So I'll use as, as, as a way of understanding producer Ari. Producer Ari, if you uh, were told, or, or, or have you ever heard that massage parlors, the people who work there are Asian women? I mean, I've, I've heard that stereotype. Okay. Did you, do you know that now at the age of what, 28? Yes. Did you know that at the age of 21? Yes. Okay then maybe that's a prevalent stereotype. And maybe that's why this guy went. I don't know if he did or he didn't. I have no reason to defend somebody who murders eight people. 
Did he choose them because they were Asian? I don't know. The police are telling me no. I don't know where the police get a win by deciding something isn't if it is. But I don't know where the win is for these other people to decide something is when it isn't. If this guy chose this, these places, because they were Asian, well then, let's say so. But if the police are doing the investigation saying, we don't see it that way, what are you doing? Why are you claiming this as this bigoted thing unless it is only important to fulfill a narrative? That's a real problem. And, there's, and there, there's, this goes even deeper. These people didn't do anything wrong. They didn't deserve to die. I think there's a question as to, this was a white guy. Why do white guys engage in mass shootings? Black people usually end up shooting each other on the street. White people engage in mass shootings. Oh, I'm sorry, too soon? Honest conversations, the ones that make us uncomfortable, right? Here it is. Why is that? Why is that? We'll get into it. We're going to take a look at what's going on with the markets and what's going on with the Fed. Bob Sellers of Newsmax, up next. I'm Tony Katz. So the Fed got together, and their decisions affect all of us. So what are those effects, and what's the effects of Joe Biden as he's talking about tax hikes and talking about more spending after the $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Bob Sellers joins us right now. He is the host of American Agenda on Newsmax TV and has spent all the time in the world around all of the finance places that you have watched and loved. You take a look yesterday, Bob, at, at the, the Fed and Chairman Jerome Powell. Uh, of course, I, I don't expect them to see a future where they're raising interest rates. But what is it that they're looking at that has people on Wall Street happy or bothered? Well, I'll tell you, uh, a little bit of both, because what the Fed seemed to do yesterday is say inflation's not going to bother them, at least for a while, because the Fed has had a hard time re- reaching uh, inflation targets, believe it or not, because the economy has grown so slowly in recent years. So what they've decided, essentially, is that we're going to allow this economy to expand. And even if it looks like it's expanding too fast, we're not going to put the brakes on by raising interest rates. We want to see us get down to so-called full employment, which would be essentially where we were before the pandemic hit. And so we're not going to put the brakes on until we get it down there. Now, that means, though, Tony, that when you're spending one point nine trillion dollars that we don't have um, and then want to add another two trillion dollars on top of that, again, that we don't have, this can be inflationary. We haven't seen it rear its ugly head yet, but they pretty much made clear that even as this economy continues to expand and they expect it to expand in numbers we maybe haven't seen since the 1950s as far as GDP Uh, that they are not in any hurry to raise interest rates to slow it down. But you talk about expansion while uh, over there at Newsmax.com, one of the headlines on the finance section is U.S. jobless claims rise to 770,000. The layoffs are still high. Square the circle. How do those two things happen? Uh, I'll give you two reasons, New York and California. They got to open up. I mean, some of the numbers come out of that. Uh, We have to get this economy back to to normal. We have to get people working again. I mean, we all know the COVID challenges. We all know uh, getting the vaccine out there is important. But, you know, part of the equation is also companies that are back to work at a normal 
level, uh, opening restaurants. And there are plenty of states out there, as you know, Tony, that have been going that route. But there are some states that have not. And that still keeps a damper on the expansion. Talking to Bob Sellers, host of American Agenda on Newsmax, Newsmax TV.com. Uh, We're also seeing conversations about Joe Biden and tax increases, and certainly more yeah. spending that could come after this COVID relief, quote unquote, uh, bill that did a lot more for people who had nothing to do with COVID than it did for people dealing w- with coronavirus. You're having yep. a conversation about tax hikes for people who make more than $200,000, $400,000 as a, a couple. Wall Street continues to move. It continues to build. We saw a Wall Street that literally saw a drone strike on oil fields in Saudi Arabia, and the markets didn't even take, they didn't sniff. They just kept moving forward. (laughs) Exactly how much growth is upside? You talk about record GDP numbers possible, or at least as some want to forecast it. How is that? How does this continue if Joe Biden is talking about this more spending and tax increase conversation? Well, always keep in mind that Wall Street survives no matter who's president, okay? And that's Republican or Democrat, because our economy at this point is a $21 trillion economy, and uh, they try to look at where do you put your money. Now, whoever is president may uh, change that sum, and they can affect certain things, but we basically have a country that will survive and go forward and find solutions and innovate Uh, and make things work regardless of who's president, okay? So then what you have to look at is what is the downside? Where do you put your money? What's going on right now is some of the tech growth that we saw over the past year because of the pandemic, and people said, well, you know what, I'm going to stay home at work. Well, they need a computer. They need electronic devices. They want to watch Netflix. All of these stocks went up. What's happening now is we're getting back to normal. Restaurants are starting to open. People are starting to borrow money again uh, as companies. So you have banks going up now. They're actually showing some strength. And so the money on Wall Street is now coming out of some of those uh, tech, the tech-heavy NASDAQ we talk about all the time. Some of the money's coming out of those tech stocks, and they're going into the more conventional stocks. I mean, like Caterpillar, John Deere. These have been some big winners recently, some banking stocks as people get back to normal. Um, So what they don't like right now, though, Tony, um, is inflation is never a good thing long term if it gets too high. Some inflation, typically, economists admit, is pretty good because you have to have some growth. But if this gets out of control, the problem is you have a lot of Democrats that seem to think modern monetary theory uh, is a good thing, which essentially says just keep printing money, just keep spending money. Don't the Keynesian never quits, to, man. The uh, Keynesian sorry? never, ever quits. They keep believing that if you spend and prime the pump, government spending is the way to go. Yeah, and, and that's right. And, and, you know, for a time, it can work, which is maybe we're in that sweet spot right now because we are at all-time highs on the Dow and the S&P 500. But you have to worry about what's the implication down the road. Now, some of these spending bills may get stymied, may get stopped in the Senate, um, where Republicans will put the brakes on them. Uh, But if they keep passing everything they want, 
we may wake up to an inflation that you have to be as old as me to remember the 70s, but that was pretty ugly when you talk about inflation. Oh, I love the fact that you don't think I remember the 70s. I mean, I don't. I just love the fact that you didn't <laughs> think so. Talking to Bob Sellers of Newsmax, uh, American Agenda. Catch that every single uh, afternoon. So let's not discuss Wall Street while I still have a couple of minutes. And let's talk Midwest Main Street. You're talking to Indiana. You're talking to Nebraska. What you see the Fed doing, this concept, right, of how they're going to, 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 to not, uh, they're not going to try and flatten this economy out. They're going to let this thing expand. They're taking a right. look at what Joe Biden is discussing regarding tax cuts and spending. Your Midwest Main Street, what are you telling to them? Well, I would say steady as she goes right now. Getting back to normal is a good thing. Um, I I don't think that the Democrats will be able to get through their wish list in the Senate unless they get rid of the filibuster rule. And I don't want to get caught in a wonky conversation. It's just if it comes down to a wish list, if Democrats get that through, that could hurt a lot of people on Main Street. But if, if we're I don't know how you feel, Tony, but sometimes I feel like the safest we all are is when Congress is doing nothing. Okay, just leave us alone. It's kind of in the Midwest in Washington. People go there and they say, uh, Mr. Government, solve our problems. And when you're on Main Street in the rest of this country, it's like government, leave us alone. We'll solve our own problems. And that's what I'm hoping happens is they actually don't do much beyond what they've done. No one is happier than producer Ari when uh, the government is doing nothing. He loves gridlock. It makes him. Exactly. Happy as can be. Bob Sellers, American Agenda, 2 to 5 p.m. PM. Uh, What can we uh, expect uh, from the show today? Uh, Well, we're going to be talking about what's going on with China. It sounds a bit wonky, but uh, a lot of people think that the Biden administration is is missing a a, a battle there. They're doing a lot of surface stuff, but actually uh, they are eating our lunch when it comes to technology and stealing our technology. They're also a military threat. Um, There are a lot of things about that. We're also going to be talking about what the Democrats are trying to do. What's that wish list they're trying to get through? I mean, in worst case scenario, um, this is going to look like uh, going back to FDR in the 30s. And again, with money that we don't have. Um, So we've got a lot to talk about, uh, um, as as you always do, Tony. And we always love having you as a guest, by the way. Well, I will tell you, I appreciate it. I'm I'm on with you every Tuesday. And it was, uh, I think it was uh, just a couple days ago, you were like, we all happened to be, uh, the guests happened to be radio hosts. And you're like, I need need a radio show. No, no, no. You just need to come visit us from time to time. So (laughs) let this be. I will be happy to do so. Thank you. Let this be the first of many. Bob Sellers, American Agenda, 2 p.m. there uh, at, at Newsmax TV. Bob, I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Uh, I, I will say that I am, I would love to think that I'm not worried about where Midwest Main Street is going. I am. We've always seen and discussed that there is a clear break between what's happening on Wall Street, what's happening to us, to our neighbors, to, to, our, to our towns, right? And I think Bob said it very well. Wall Street makes money regardless. They, 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 that's part of the thing. I don't actually mind such a thing as long as I'm able to partake, which is why we covered GameStop and what was happening there and the inability, pe- trying to stop people from engaging in trading. No, 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 no. It, it doesn't exist just for you, Wall Street. It exists for all of us. But there are th- things that happen, policies that happen that benefit one and usually create issue for Midwest Main Street. Keeping an eye on that is everything.
Facebook Tony Katz Radio. Get the podcast at TonyKatz.com. And this right here is Tony Katz Today.